It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I would say welcome into the Celtics Lab podcast, but there's little to feel welcome about this evening after a Game 5 loss from the Celtics to the Philadelphia 76ers. Tonight it's just going to be myself and Alex Goldberg as we work through our emotions later to be joined by Cameron Tabatabai after I hope he gives Joe Missoula something to think about with a good question about why the hell defense is a thing this entire team is allergic to among many other problems. But before we get into the things, this episode of the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. This episode, we're going to talk about all defensive teams, Boston draft preparation, C's alumni returning to college. Uh, Maybe a lot of them should after what I just saw. Uh, Not the way that we're going to be talking about this other person. And other teams in their conference final semi, excuse me, uh, conference semis. Uh, but before that, let's, I wish we didn't need to, talk about game five. Alex, thoughts? Oh, Justin, thoughts. So many thoughts. Well, um, in the biggest game of the year, the team that I've been defending all year long as being really excellent basketball team that didn't deserve the allegations of fraudulent basketball that was hurled against them all year that didn't uh do anything to justify the fact that you know so many people from our own fan base and from other fan base just didn't really take this team seriously what did they do well they pissed all over their fucking legs justin that is what they did this celtics team came out in the biggest game of their season and they completely shat themselves from the moment of opening tip, they looked scared, they looked hesitant, they looked confused, and Joel Embiid came out and absolutely dominated them. So that's how I'm feeling. And apologies for the poor language. We can edit that out later. (laughs) That being said, I'm not feeling great. I'm feeling like every single ounce of energy that I put into being the relentless optimist on this pod and filling that role has been for naught because the Celtics made me and every single one of our fans look very stupid. So that's about where I'm at too. Uh, I think a lot of us are eating crow tonight. Uh, And the worst part of it is we do need to give the Philadelphia 76ers credit. They did come out. They did play hard. They did play consistent with energy and focus like the Celtics did not. But there is that lack of focus uh, what's your biggest takeaway from this game, if you have not already told me? Um, my biggest takeaway from the game is that every single one of those guys, with maybe the slight exception of Jason Tatum, looked scared. They looked confused. They looked rattled. They looked like they weren't ready to meet the moment. You know, Jalen Brown had a pretty nice stat line, but he never looked in control. He never looked confident. He never looked like he knew what he was doing. He wasn't being decisive at all. Jason Tatum had, I think, an underwhelming performance. At least he was trying. 
at least he was giving some level of effort trying to claw Boston, Boston back in a game that rapidly got away from them. Marcus Smart, bad decision-making all night long, bad shooting all night long. Derek White, deer in the headlights, looked completely shook and not prepared for the moment. Al Horford, absolutely dominated by Joel Embiid. Straight up, complete and utter wreckage. He couldn't stay in front of him defensively. He was moving his hands around in the way, not in the way of a good defender that feels confident, but in the way of an out of control defender that feels crazy. He bricked nearly everything. And Malcolm No, he Brogdon, bricked everything. He did he not, bricked not everything. break everything. He bricked Ma everything. Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon looked like he had no idea where Robert Williams was on any of those roles. He missed him over and over again. Speaking of Robert Williams, he got pushed around by PJ Tucker and George Niang. The only guy out there that looked like he was even remotely interested in trying to get the Celtics a W was Jason Tatum, and the Sixers made a point to take him out of rhythm and make his life difficult all night. So I don't know that I have one singular wry observation that is there to uh, you know perfectly explain the Celtics' failings tonight, because everything failed for the Celtics tonight. Every single thing failed for them on every conceivable level, because they didn't show up. I will push back the teeniest, teeniest, tiniest bit because the third string players played better than the starters and the second string in this game. They right. came out with defensive intensity, full court pressure, got turnovers, made baskets, played confident. Maybe we should start them, you know, just to give them some playoff minutes because I have zero confidence that this team is going to do anything besides play exactly like the assholes. You know, again, ap apology with the, with the language. We'll do our best to edit up. It's really hard to speak nicely about this team right now. Uh, I'm trying not to become unhinged myself with this, but like, if I have a big takeaway from this game, it's the takeaway from this team of the last several seasons, which is they think that they are God's gift to basketball. And frankly speaking, they don't have the wherewithal to understand the moment they're in and could not carry a real champion's jockstrap as long as they continue to play like this. The talent is there. The knowledge is there. The coaching is there. But you have to put it together and you have to come out with the urgency that the moment demands. And they did not. So you know what? All that talk about lessons learned in the NBA finals, I don't care. I do not care. Keep your platitudes. Keep your next game. We're going to get them. I don't care. I am going to go on a nice vacation this offseason earlier than I expected, almost certainly, because these idiots, and excuse me for using such strong language because you're not idiots in any other context, but when you're on the court, y'all play like idiots. You put people in situations where plans get changed. People have to rearrange their lives. This impacts other people around you in the media, impacts people who have made plans as fans who support you. We all put in the effort. We all lose sleep. We all spend hours and hours and hours trying to find a way to frame this kind of a thing in a way that makes up for your lack of effort. That's and I want to I, I be clear on something. Like at the end of the day, it is a basketball game and it's a basketball team, right? There are much bigger and more important and more valuable things in life. Like the Celtics don't win the title this year. Life will go on. We will be fine, et cetera, et cetera. Let's let's drinking let's the beer on the beach. 
let's let's frame this properly and and the Celtics will I think largely be fine at least from like their personal lives you know these guys are all people who are playing basketball for a living which is a joyous and immensely fun and cool thing and nobody hardly anybody gets the opportunity to do that so like nobody's gonna you know nobody's gonna lose it nobody's gonna have a full and complete breakdown except for me uh (laughs) um but i don't know uh, i think there there might be a couple of us i appreciate you pulling me back from the brink a little bit there because i'm just tired of this man I mean, you're tired of it. I'm tired of it. I I would hope the Celtics are tired of it. We'll see. Um, And, you know, the reality is that despite sure feeling like it, the series is technically not over. And we have seen them do this before where they back themselves all the way up against the wall and put themselves in a position where every single thing goes wrong. And then for some reason, something happens where they respond. This happened last year with the Bucks series. I am a lot less confident that it can happen with this team, but I've been surprised by them before. So let it's not over, over, over. It's not completely over. Uh, and if the Celtics win tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but in the next game, you can bet your ass that I will be all the way back in, like 100%. Uh, that is just how it rolls. Rationality be damned. Um, but at the same time, this is, again, the biggest game of the season. And realistically, it's probably one of the biggest games of the careers of all of the guys involved and they came out completely flat they just they just completely mailed it in uh and they got absolutely dominated by a team that was more prepared that played better from the jump that uh knew the moment and rose to the occasion on every level like let's give credit to the sixers and bead was terrific harden was terrific tyrese max was terrific yeah, no, Doc Rivers had a great game today. Like, let's be clear. The Sixers won this game as much as the Celtics lost it. But boy, to see them lose it like that, that's tough. That is really tough. You had an excellent point. Normally, this is the part where we get granular into what happened throughout the course of the game. I don't really know that there's too much to take from that. So instead, I think I'm going to depart from our usual game plan here and just kind of go back to something that you mentioned earlier in terms of not only being the biggest moment, really, of the season, but of their careers. It very well could be, at least as a Celtic, because the new CBA, it's very, very, very punitive, right, for teams that have been in the tax heavily like the Celtics have for two seasons now and they're going to be next season and then conceivably the season after that and the season after that and you have to ask yourself will you pay all these players who just did this to do it again under the same coach because you know as we discussed privately earlier uh they're not going to fire Joe no matter how bad he does in this season unless it's like one of the worst flameouts we've ever seen or one of the stars demands it But at this point, how much stock are you really putting in players who respond like this over and over and over again for years and years and years, never really showing the learning when it counts? And that's the key, when it counts. There is a realistic world where if this ends poorly and they flame out in the next game as well, that we could see Jalen Brown make Supermax, but be traded to another team. 
we could see large chunks of this team on other rosters next season just to try to shake things up. And I really want to see these guys win a title because I see the talent. I like who they are as people. I believe in them. And that's why we get so freaking angry with this. But we have to talk about the fact that there is a real, there's a real potentiality for this to be the end of an era. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, I think obviously there's two games, potentially two games left in the series. God, potentially. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see. Obviously, off season is the off season. There's a lot of decisions to be made. The new CBA does make it difficult to carry such a big tax bill for sure. Um, uh, but you know, I think the reason that I'm I kind of more mentioned that idea that this is one of the biggest games of their careers is because. I don't know that Celtics are going to get, as this core is currently constituted, a whole lot of better chances to win the title with the mm. Bucks being cleared out in round one, with the fact that there doesn't appear to be a clear favorite in the Western Conference, that all four of those teams could credibly win, uh, you know, any given series, any given game. Um, and with the fact that realistically, the Celtics came into this series with the expectation that they would beat the Sixers team. Um, obviously that is not borne out in reality. The Sixers, I think are better than we probably gave them credit for. Um, but the talent is there and the roster is there. And I really think that for the most part, with a few glaring exceptions, the coaching has been there. So to see them flame out like this, when the path is arguably as open as it's ever going to get for this team, um, is it's that's I think the part that kind of drives me the craziest about it now again two more games potentially so we'll see but um yeah there's 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 a lot there's a lot to unpack there well instead of like I don't I don't know what adjustments we're expecting to see other than you know defensive effort maybe I have uh, an adjustment that I'd yeah. like to see um I think it's time to start Robert Williams and Al Horford together um, and I say this not because I was particularly blown away by Al Horford or Robert Williams tonight. I thought both of them were pretty bad, um, but because I think you need to shake something up. And I think that relying on the offense to carry this team through these games is just such a hit or miss proposition. The Celtics have to, if they want to win these next two games, get back to the fundamentals of what made them a great team in the first place, which was getting stops. Um, if that's what they want to do, as as much as I think Derek White has had a great season uh, on the defensive end, you know, he literally made second team all defense today. The Celtics are at their best defensively when they have Horford and Williams out there. And I think Al Horford needed some additional size tonight to help him out. So I would that's that's the tactical adjustment that I would make. I don't know that that adjustment will necessarily save them. I don't think it necessarily will. I think that they need to do a lot of other things right uh in order to actually win these games but um i think that's that's the one adjustment that kind of stands out in my mind that they could the one card they still have left to play yeah i thought about getting more shooting into the starting lineup by swapping out grant but you're right uh defense really is the key to the series it's been the key to the series the whole time the offense so there's been a tendency we've heard it from joe we've heard a lot of discussion about it that this is an offensive team that can be good on, on defense when it wants to. But I think that, you know, when I, when I used to teach English, for example, uh, I would work with people before an exam. And this is an exam for all intents and purposes in, in the NBA sense. Uh, 
on the things they're best at the most, not the things that they are worst at and try to bring it up. So I could see a situation where the Celtics could focus more on their their defense on a game-to-game basis with the understanding that the offense that that generates in transition, um, that could be a better base to build their offense around. What I'm trying to basically say is their offense is good and it's going to be good, but if their defense is bad, their offense isn't going to be good either. So for me, that's the key for any chance of anything coming out of this. Uh, Rather than continue to beat this horse to more death than we already have, uh, let's talk about some of the other series. Uh, ah, yes, the going around basketball teams. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Some of them are kind of incompetent, depending on which of the one-three matchups we're talking about. We've got the Knicks and the Heat up three-one, and the Lakers up three-one on the Warriors. You take your pick. Which we jump in first? Um, let's jump into the interesting one, which is Lakers Warriors. Um, so obviously the Lakers are now up three, one, uh, they made a couple of adjustments, particularly, um, they have put a lot more, uh, emphasis on having, uh, Jared Vanderbilt pick up Steph Curry on their defensive schemes and just basically try and stay glued to him as much as possible. Um, and the Warriors responded in kind by trying to add Gary Payton into their starting lineup, uh, in their previous game to try and not series it to, to that backfired to some degree, and the Lakers got a monster fourth quarter performance from none other than Lonnie Walker the fourth to put them up 3-1. So, um, you know, they're in an interesting spot here, the Los Angeles Lakers, where LeBron James is 17-0 and in his playoff career in with a 3-1 lead. In theory, this should be a game where they close things out. But this is the defending champion Golden State Warriors that we're talking about. And I guess I'm wondering, is it ever really safe to say that they're done you know that was my question for you but well no. i'm flipping it on <laughs> yeah no uh i would not count them out i really thought that the celtics won the 22 finals uh before two games in a row uh they dropped games as we saw tonight i cannot get away from that but anyways uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't count the Warriors out entirely, uh, but frankly speaking, uh, I think realistically, the Warriors just don't have the horses. They made a major mistake by not consolidating some of the talent at the trade deadline. The Celtics have seen in the past how how difficult it is to have two timelines going on trying to develop young players while you are also trying to win titles, and they just don't have the players that they need to even beat the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't see any chance of them getting much further. Even if they did get out of this, I don't mm. think it's very likely. Yeah, and I just think at the end of the day that the Lakers have proved to be a really problematic matchup for the Warriors in a lot of ways. Anthony Davis has been on an absolute tear against this Warriors front court. And I think Kevon Looney is looking a little gassed from the previous series. Um, I would not be surprised if the Lakers close this out in five, but you know, let's give due diligence to Steph Curry and the defending champs. They uh, they are an elite basketball team and they are definitely capable of stealing some of these games. And there would be a kind of irony to uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors, of course, storming back from a 3-1 deficit to beat a LeBron James-led team. But I'm not counting on it. 
Um, let's flip around to a series that I think is pretty much over, but we should talk about it anyway. Uh, the Heat are up 3-1 on the New York Knickerbockers, a series that, frankly, I did not think was going to be this cut and dry, but we're, we're pretty much there. Justin, what are you seeing in that series? Uh, I'm seeing Miami advancing and the Knicks uh, going fishing. I, I don't see how they come back from that. Uh, the Heat are being out nixed uh, with boards uh, being the focus, physical play. Uh, they're daring them to shoot three-pointers, and they're not doing a particularly good job of A, trying, or B, making them. I don't, I don't think there's any chance that the Knicks are going to make a series of this even. If they even win one more game, I'll be pretty impressed. They they really did not have a good handle on Miami's three-point shooting capabilities, which seems like has been the case for actually a number of teams in this kind of later half of the season. That Miami, listen, Miami's three-point shooting Senate percentage at the beginning of the season and the middle of the season was really bad. There's no debating that. And they have been pretty unreliable in the regular season when it comes to three-point shooting generally. But in the playoffs, they have completely flipped that around. They've been an excellent three-point shooting team. Kevin Love has done a really nice job spacing the floor. Kyle Lowry off the bench has been terrific. And in general, I think, you know, I was mentioning this earlier. I just really think that Eric Spolstra is bar none the best coach in the NBA right now. I don't really even think it's particularly close with apologies to Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, who I think are legacy, historically good coaches. But if you want somebody who knows how to get the absolute most out of any roster and who knows exactly what buttons to push as far as in-game adjustments go. There's nobody doing it better than Eric Spolstra right now. And he has coached the the pants off of Tom Thibodeau in this series. So um, I think I agree with you. I think the Heat are going to wrap this up. um, And I think they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals in what could well be a fascinating matchup, but we're not, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. Let's talk about an actually fascinating matchup that is happening. Yeah. Really the only competitive at this moment uh, race in the 2023 NBA playoffs, Denver Phoenix knotted up at two each. Uh, yeah. It's been talked to death, but Joker not suspended for the nope. Ishbia incident. Correct call? Correct call. 100%. Um, I think that Matt Ishbia had a really nice flop. His form was reminiscent of any one of our great guard defenders in the league. Um, but I completely agree with the decision to simply find Jokic and move on. Um, the series would be way worse. And as it stands right now, the Nuggets are benefiting from that decision as they currently have a 35 to 22 lead wrapping up the first quarter against Phoenix. I'm watching it now. Jamal Murray is dancing around, clearing dudes out, getting to the rim and dunking on people. Uh, trying to throw behind the back passes, which are getting picked off. And Devin Booker is currently running the lane in transition and getting fouled. Um, But in general, sorry to provide direct commentary. um, In general, this has been an awesome series. It's been really fun to watch. Um, You know, Jokic has been impeccable all, all year and all series. He's been on fire, you know, had a monster game for, and the Suns, one in part because, well, not in part, almost exclusively because Devin Booker and Kevin Durant stepped up and were also incredible. Devin Booker's been awesome the whole playoffs. Um, been in general, you are very oh, yeah. on that. He's he's been incredible. I mean, he's shooting sixty four percent nearly from two and fifty seven percent from three. It's a psychotic offensive stat line from Devin Booker. 
who is uh, currently shooting free throws as it stands right now. Um, but yeah, no, the Suns have really stepped up after having a difficult first two games on the road in Denver. Um, they've made this a series and, you know, now it's a best of three with, I think, probably the most talent on either ends for both teams remaining of any one series. I think there's a reasonable chance that the winner of this series could eventually be the winner of the whole thing. We will see. But uh, it's been a blast to watch. And I'm currently enjoying watching it right now as we're recording this podcast. God bless you for watching the basketball game. It does not make you want to rip your hair out. Oh, well, this is a beautiful basketball game featuring talented players who are trying hard. So I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, let's talk about some news. Try to put this game behind us as best we can. Uh, we already kind of hinted at this earlier with Derek White making second team all NBA. Uh, I think really one of the more interesting things was that none of the Celtics bigs got any votes at all. Not even one. Not for Rob. Not for Al. Nope. Marcus Smart just missed second team. Uh, Jalen Brown got some votes, which I think were deserved. Uh, I think it's a little weird that Tatum didn't get any votes, but I mean, I guess there's only so many votes to go around. Any thoughts on that? Um, I'm not super surprised by that outcome. I thought Smart might get a second team nod, but outside of that, you know, Horford has been really good on the defensive end this year, but given that he's missed back-to-backs all year and that he has, uh, I think, had some games where he's kind of taken off and that the Celtics defense has regressed a little bit. Um, I'm not super surprised they didn't make it. Robert Williams just didn't play enough games to actually make uh, a defensive team. Derek White has been the Celtics' best defender for basically the whole year, um, and I think he's a deserving second-team nod. Again, I'm a little bit surprised that Smart didn't make it, but given uh, the number of talented defensive players that exist in the NBA today, I can have my gripes with that team, but I'm, I'm not like horribly shocked or stressed out about it you think anybody uh had some good odds for smart uh making an all nba or excuse me all defenses here well i'm sure that somebody did have some good odds and even if you laid money on that and lost money on that you probably didn't did so for rational reasons because you might have gone to FanDuel and checked out their odds for playoffs for awards and for anything else related to the nba make a fast break to FanDuel today during the NBA playoffs, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, there is no better place to bet all playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG. For Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, Let's start off with 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step 5253342 for Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana, it's 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas, 
one 770 stop in LA, gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland or one 877 hope or text HOPE-NY at 467-369 for New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net for West Virginia. Well, I certainly didn't lose or gain any money that not being a betting man myself, but I would put money on the Celtics being pretty active in the second round prospects uh, that are projected to go in that range for the 2023 NBA draft. And as expected, they have been looking at a lot of guys who might be headed back to school uh, who are currently testing the waters uh, while maintaining their NCAA eligibility. Seems to me, reading the tea leaves of this, that they're probably trying to find the kind of player who they can make a promise and definitely get. I've been kind of not all that excited about a lot of the candidates that have come through uh, reporting uh, that they have worked out with the Celtics. Uh one of the most interesting so far is Isaiah Mandela of NC State. He is a seven foot one prospect with a top 50 recruit. He's a very mobile big man. He can shoot the, the rock pretty well uh, from deep. He's very, 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 very raw. So he's not going to be coming into the Celtics organization anytime soon to change their fortunes. But if they want to get somebody who could be a potential rotation player with Maybe some more upside than that. Uh, he would be an excellent person to make a promise to and then take if he stays in the draft. There's a really good chance that he does not. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And then uh, a certain other college-oriented thing came through the news this week since our last podcast, that being Ray Allen getting his uh, bachelor's degree at UConn after 27 years. Any thoughts? Congrats. Congratulations to Ray Allen. Uh, you know, that is a guy who does know how to win the playoffs. Champion, respected leader, um, excellent basketball player. I have no hard feelings about Ray Allen leaving for Miami because he likes playing championship level basketball and he likes being on rosters that are able to do that. So uh, congrats to Ray. No, and in all seriousness, that, that's really cool. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for Ray. I, I think, uh, you know, he's He's done some pretty cool things uh, as an NBA player, as an advocate for mental health. Um, he's also done uh, some pretty important things in his life in a variety of other different areas. So to see him get his bachelor's degree at UConn is pretty cool. He was quoted as saying, it's never too late to learn. Um, and in general, you know, I think he's a testament to a guy who has set lofty expectations and lofty goals for himself and followed through and tried to complete them in all walks of life. So shout out to Ray Allen. For the non-YouTube fans, I am also a big Ray Allen fan, uh, being from Connecticut. Now, watching the Huskies win the title gave me the sort of feeling that watching the Celtics have not been giving me. Uh, as you can see, usually I'm pretty even-keeled about these kinds of things. And, you know, like sports... It's an escape for a lot of people, right? But also, mm -hmm. as we have discussed in prior episodes, it can also be something that you put a lot of emotional uh, effort, I guess you could say, into in ways that 
aren't always entirely healthy when you see us coming out unhinged as we were to start this with all that emotion, at least in my case, um, that can also be a sign of stress elsewhere in your life that you are just not getting that boost you were hoping for from sports. And, you know, you might not know that if you don't talk through it, like I'm talking through it now and I'm starting to kind of realize there's some stressful stuff going on in my life. I'm not going to talk about it here because this is not therapy, but let me tell you guys, you could, if you wanted to use therapy, like our, you know, sponsor, uh, better help to work through these kinds of emotions. It's very easy to get caught up and what everyone else needs from you and everything else that's going on in your life. And then you don't have a moment to really think about how you feel. And you can find yourself getting really bent out of shape about things that really ultimately don't actually matter to your life. Now, I know you're saying the Celtics matter to you. They matter to me too, but they mean they shouldn't matter enough where I'm coming out on a podcast and losing my mind, uh, practically shouting. I mean, I know that lots of podcasts do that, but we don't really shout on this podcast. Um, so when we spend all of our time investing our energy into a lot of other things, it can make it hard for us to understand where our own mind is at. And sometimes when you see like eruptions of emotion from yourself that are a little bit excessive as mine was to start this, it might mean you need to talk through some stuff to see how you feel about other things in your life that can also be influencing that situation. So Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life as a result. So you can, you know, support other people without leaving yourself behind. Uh, if you're thinking about starting a therapy, you should consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. You can get matched with a licensed therapist and start the process of what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you need to switch therapists because you don't like them, you don't have to slog all the way across the state or town or wherever you are. Uh, you don't have to get reacquainted with another person only to do that whole process again. You do it from your house. You do it online. You do it through text. You do it through video chat. You do it through the phone. There are tons and tons and tons of options. Find more balance with BetterHelp. We really like them a lot. We don't just say that. Visit BetterHelp.com slash SeltLab. That's C-L-T. L-A-B today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-E-L-T-L-A-B, Sutlab. So I think with that, we're going to take a pause and through the magic of editing, we'll see Cam on the other side of this break. But before we let you go, Alex, uh, any parting thoughts? Um, this sucked. I hated every minute of it. I'm very upset. Celtics and seven. And we're back uh, now with a Cameron uh, who has been around the team, uh, around Coach Joe Missoula. What's the general vibe that you were, were getting uh, from the team after this loss? Um, the vibe from the players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, was somber, a little pensive but ready, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, there's an element where, and we've said this before, they're really good at saying the right thing in losses, but like, it doesn't necessarily mean that they back it up. Yeah, it's it's good to have 
some platitudes ready if you know you're going to be in some sort of like campy disney coming of age sports movie but when the season's on the line uh, the actions speak louder than words i suppose um but there was an element that felt sincere tatum felt pretty calm and saying look we're we were always going to go down to philly play another game this time we just definitely will have to win it and he had a quip he said and i'll talk to you guys after and i'll say the same bullshit and so i think there's a little bit of we've been there so we're not fussed and that sounds a lot better when you win a game uh rather than when you lose it so the mood was calm i suppose um Missoula does that thing in losses where he gets really detail oriented and that played out again tonight uh which i think is fair i, I don't know if you alex talked about this but the Missoula uh criticisms are quite loud right now and louder than they ought to be yeah no we we definitely agree on that we actually did not dive into the nitty-gritty of the game because most of it was won and lost through the lack of effort and urgency shown by the celtics almost from the opening minutes like they started the game pretty well in our opinion i think i'm speaking for for alex here but 10 to 10 for a little bit and then the sixers led for the rest of the way yeah and Honestly, I, I cannot point to like the, the worst thing that I can point to is maybe trying Hauser, who's a better defender just because of his height than Pritchard when things really, really weren't going uh, very well. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, like how much of that is to blame in this loss? Like really nothing from this loss was significantly his fault, in my opinion. No, and I even asked him, I mean, I felt like the Sixers in particular were really effective in the mid-range that drop defense really continued to be problematic, I think, for the Celtics. And I asked Missoula about that, and he said, I, I think, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I think where it's really problematic is when our offense doesn't work or doesn't land, and then our defense really doesn't set up. I would have to rewatch the game to know if that's just a smart answer or if that actually holds weight, but it's, okay, I, I have some feelings sorry. about that. It, it might it might be a distinction without a difference. But we were actually talking uh, earlier in how this team has been built mostly by Missoula, uh, and you know to a certain extent he's not right when it's working. But the problem is never when it's working. The problem is when it's not working. Uh, that you you can't lean into offense because their effort on defense when the offense isn't working just evaporates. So. I think that the key to this series, and we talked about this earlier, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is not the way that the Celtics have been successful in most of their series, in most of their games this season, uh, in that it really needs to be defense creates the offense or sets up the offense to play the way they want it to be. So that way the energy is right and the urgency is right. And it looked to me in this game like they, they wanted to come out and knock them out with their offense, when really what would have been the way to, to approach this game is to lock in on defense and let the offense flow from that. And then once they get comfortable, as we have seen them do in the past, even with the 76ers, then you can kind of like let the offense be the focus. I am not an NBA coach. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I am wicked pissed off, but to me, it seems to me that the, the key in the series has been defense, 
when it's there, their offense hums. When it's not, it doesn't really matter what they try on offense because they never get themselves organized enough to actually execute it. Yeah, I think I, I, I guess it's a chicken or an egg sort of. So Boston shot really poorly from three and particularly for most of the game, I think garbage time kind of messed with the stats. They also missed nine free throws. And so in a game that at times was like within a, a run, they just like were coming up completely cold. They had really open looks that they were missing. And so I guess you could do the thought experiment that's like, actually the formula was kind of okay. And if they hit their shots or, or some of those shots, it's a closer game and uh, the rhythm is different. And there's something about them playing small or missing threes that they're doing okay rebounding, but it, it, I said this uh, on Twitter in my post game recap, so I'm just like flagging a self plagiarizing uh, episode here. But my read is that they played okay defense, pretty good defense, I would even hazard. And then it was followed by bad offense. It's either they missed their shots or they they really struggled uh, getting going at or around the rim. And then in turn, they played bad defense, and that was the sequence. It'd be like one play, good defense. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> YouTube crowd just saw that uh, it's mood lighting and TD Garden shifted considerably. Um, so I think a, a half or a third of the time, I actually was okay with the defensive effort. Um, and half the time, I was okay with the offensive scheme. But more often than not, it didn't pan out. I mean, it's just, I don't know, we're dressing up. An ugly loss. Putting lipstick on a pig. I, I don't know. I, I really can't agree with you with, with the offense. There were, there were very few instances of effective paint touches, kickouts, ball movement, the good Missoula ball. There was tons. I mean, of they tons. missed ten. They missed ten open threes. If yeah, had... but confidence is also a part of a role of that, and a lot of those open threes were with guys who, at least early in the case of Tatum, in all game in the case of Horford didn't clearly have the confidence in anything they were doing and there is yeah this... to that end i'm happy to report that jason tatum's wrist is okay he made that very clear yeah <laughs> so i was going to ask you i knew i knew that was an, an issue that you were, you were dialing in on uh pregame we were talking about it offline uh i i don't want to really litigate the whole bad missoula ball thing but it's like at this point, if you don't know that you all have to start doing other things when that isn't working, not you know, I'm not talking about changing the plan. We've we've really really we really relitigated this several times at this point throughout the regular season. It's just common sense that what we saw Jason Tatum do in the second half is what you need to do as an individual. Yeah. Know? When your shot is not falling, you have to try other things to get yourself going, rebounding, stealing the ball, attacking the cup, just like get engaged in something you can be successful in and then let the, the game flow through you as it did in the second half. If we had that version of Jason Tatum in both halves, I don't think this would have been a loss. No, I don't think so either. I mean, he was brilliant-ish. He was really good in the third quarter. He scored 16 in the third quarter. Um, but then the rest of the Celtics scored seven. So it was just like nothing worked. Again, going back to lipstick on the pig, like when the defense was okay, the offense wasn't. When the offense was okay, the defense wasn't. When Tatum played like a star, everyone else played crappy. When the role players played okay, the stars were nowhere to be found. Um, it's worth 
noting that two teams played tonight and Philadelphia was great. Um, Joel Embiid was so forthright in his approach. He knew if it's Al Horford, I'm taking it to the post. He knew if it's uh, Time Lord, I'm I'm staying back. He like really understood uh, how to be successful being guarded by an individual. Harden, uh, it, it it doesn't bear out in the stat line because it's not as you know wild as one of his forty burgers. But Harden was really really good. Um, he also. I don't, I don't know that, like, think Missoula is outcoached almost isn't correct because I think it's like the Sixers are out, outcoaching Missoula, uh, Harden and Embiid in particular. And then Maxi is this great wild card for them where uh, Missoula has now mentioned several times he's, they're really trying to get Maxi to go right and Maxi's doing great going right. Uh, he had 30 points. Um, Maxi was really, really good. Six for 12 from three. And A, to give, give their team the flowers, great, but like, B, that's how you win in the playoffs, right? Is your your third best guy has a career game. And we didn't see that from the Celtics. Jason Tatum was holy mackerel. Jason Tatum was a minus 26 on the night, despite scoring 36 points. That's so bad. Um yeah, the Celtics got got nothing from their role players. Um Derek White wasn't particularly good. Malcolm Brogdon continues to be a huge liability on defense. Whoa, that was a bad game. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. feel like the press conference made me feel a little more. Uh, I I think the I think I feel fine about they can win too. Um, but I am in this conversation realizing that whoa 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 that was a bad game. <laughs> wow, I'm just. It's not that just that it was it, a bad game. It was just. The lack of urgency from anyone but Jason Tatum was shocking. It was very hard to watch. Nobody, nobody really pulled themselves in and just put it all on the floor in the way that Tatum did. You know, I'm I'm very critical of how he started the game, but pretty quickly he figured out that he wasn't having a good shooting night and found other ways to impact the game. I don't know why literally no one else did that throughout the entire game. I'm not sure I'm not so sure how useful it is for us to spin our wheels on this. We we didn't really like even dive into the game too much because of it. Uh Philly was just a better team. They understood the moment, they understand the urgency, they executed a game plan, they did not waver from it. Uh they were they were great. Doc was great. Uh, I don't necessarily think, as you as you alluded to, that Joe was outcoached. Uh, I just think that if what Joe was trying to get them to do was done with the level of urgency that was needed, then you know it would have at least been a close game. They might have still lost. I mean, the 76ers were really, really good. But this was not the way that they should have gone out, and I really do hope that we see something reminiscent of the Buck series uh, last season where we were in a very similar position. Yeah, I guess we can close on that because that was something that was the, the guys were asked about. Joe Mazzola and Jalen Brown basically said, it's a different season. It's it's a funny coincidence, but it's not relevant. And Jason Tatum uh, just used it as a uh, data point to suggest that they've done it before. They can do it again. They just need to go into Thursday a little more relaxed. So... Uh, that that was as close to it with Jared Allen. The lights were too bright that we got, but Jalen Brown went three of eight from the free throw line. Either 
either they are not being honest about their health, Jalen and Jason, or the lights are pretty bright because I think Jason Jason Tatum shooting twenty five percent from three in the first quarter in the playoffs. Um, either he's not right or the lights are bright. I I I I guess it could just be bad luck. It's not that big of a sample size, but that's not very good. And um, Jalen Brown has been really inconsistent. That's not very good. So yeah, the the Celtics this time last year, almost two days removed from an exact anniversary, uh, lost their game five at home to the Bucks to go down a three two, and then they went and Jason Tatum dropped forty six or forty seven on Milwaukee, and Grant Williams had seven threes and game seven to advance them to the conference finals, which now that I say it, uh, the task is quite large ahead of Boston, but never say never. That's why we like sports, right? None of us, in theory, none of us thought any of this was going to happen. So how can we pretend like we know what's going to happen in the next two games, right? Fair enough. Either way, we will dutifully be uh, recording a podcast after game six perhaps after Celtics win or perhaps an immediate post-mortem on a weird season. And on that happy, happy note, it's my thrilling obligation and joy to tell you that the Boston Boston Celtics, well, I'm tired. The Celtics on Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. Thanks for listening, homies, and everyone else, well-wishers, people who are angrily listening to this. Happy Mexican Mother's Day to all the moderators out there. Happy, I guess, American Mother's Day. I don't know when the Mother's Days are celebrated. Like Sunday, Mother's I think, Day, right? Soon. Mother's Day is a Wednesday in Mexico. Yeah, that really confused me. Uh, I, I texted uh, people uh, in my life for Mother's Day on Sunday, uh, thinking it was Mexican Mother's Day, and it was either U.S. or Mexican Mother's Day. But yeah, it's Wednesday. Uh, live every day like Mother's Day. Also, Mother's Day is really hard for people. I mean, if, if Mother's Day is a hard day for you, sorry, but we're being flippant about that. Um, but otherwise, you know, enjoy yourselves. It, it's just basketball, everyone. Um, adios, and we'll catch you next episode.